my dad's perspective, and you know, he's really conservative. He's from Exxon, the, the corporate world. He says, if this is such a good idea, how come someone hasn't done it before? And I said, well, by that logic, nobody would ever start anything. I mean, I was, we didn't have a register. We didn't have a, a retail space. So we were truly testing out the recipes, the concepts. And, and, and so we try and utilize the best of Fort Worth whenever we can. And because we see ourselves as fitting into the fabric. And we have a long way to be around as long as groups like Kincaid's or Old South or you know, institutions around here. But um, that's our goal. That's what we want to be. It's the Culinary School Podcast, presented by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Here's your host, James Creange. All right, welcome to the Culinary School Podcast. I'm your host, James Creange. Today, I'm happy to have on Greg Saltzman, the co-founder and owner of Pearl Snap Kalachis on both White Settlement and Hewlin in Fort Worth. Thanks for coming on the show today, Greg. Thanks for having me. So let's start off at the obvious place. How did you decide that you wanted to take your business knowledge and your business degrees and turn that into the culinary arts? Um, my business partner, Wade Chapel and I, uh, were having a fun conversation one day. We, uh, we just were friends at the time and having a cup of coffee and he posed a question. He said, if you could do anything, what would you do? And, uh, and I said, sausage. Uh, and I, and I said, I just think that that's an interesting business. And he said, well, I think video games. And so we both pursued, we pursued both options. We became sort of minuscule experts in those two, two areas and sausage became kolaches. And we pursued all those all the way down to the point of almost investment in both ideas. But the kolache idea was the one that we eventually went with. And uh, so uh, it's been a process. It's been a definite process because neither one of us had ever baked in our lives. And um, uh, so going through, first of all, you know, learning about kolaches and then learning about how to uh, run a restaurant has been uh, something that um, I'm sure a lot of people have gone through, but uh, for us, I mean, I spent a lot of time in manufacturing environments throughout my career and uh, corporations. But you know, this was, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> uh, how long did it take Wade to come on board with you as far as moving in the direction of the sausage as opposed to the video games? Oh, he was on board from day one. I mean, we didn't know which of the two ideas uh, we wanted to go forward with, but he. Um, you know, he, he loves kolaches as much as I do. And, um, you know, we both felt like there wasn't a good one here in Fort One, a good enough one for us, given the fact that we were so close to the town of West. Uh, for those of you not familiar, West Texas, not to say the geographic part of Texas, it's West, but <laughs> the town of West is, according to the state legislature, the kolache capital of Texas. And if you've ever driven through I-35 down, down through West, you've stopped at one of, you know, Slovaks or the check stop or one of, there's probably about 10 or 12 places in town if you actually go through the town. But, um, you know, we're, we're only an hour north of there, and we said, how come there hasn't been a good kolache place here? So we, we end to change that. So I've, I think one of the things about West Texas is they have a big Czech population there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think there would be any kind of pushback since neither of you guys are Czech? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. You know, we didn't know when we first started. We thought maybe people would be like, well... You have to, you know, from the old world if you're going to do this. But in actuality, when we went through and we spoke to so many small business owners uh, that were doing kolaches in all these small towns, you know, Caldwell and Calvert and uh, all these, we went through the hill country, went on several road trips. And the response we got instead was, um, 
you know, we are so happy you're doing this because I've tried to get my kids or my grandkids involved in this business and they don't want to have anything to do with it. They're involved in something else and we're worried that this is going to die with us. And so they were just excited that two relatively younger guys were, you know, interested in doing this. And so they, they were willing to share everything with us. And, and they did, they, they, they basically, you know, encouraged us to follow this path and you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those people. Now, you guys started out working not in your own store, but inside of the Lunchbox, mm -hmm. um, which is over on Camp Bowie. Um, what was that experience like, and what were some of the early difficulties um, in even just getting your name out there? Yeah. I mean, we, well, we had to sell B2B, first of all. I mean, that was, we didn't have a register. We didn't have a, a retail space. So we were truly testing out the recipes, the concepts, the how to bake, how to bake at bulk, um, and, you know, create uh, you know, pre-existing orders so that we knew with some degree how much we needed to create, um, which is different than running a retail business where you have no idea what the sales are going to be and what you need. Um, so running out of the lunchbox, obviously, we were time-constrained because we took over their space after they closed uh, for lunch, and you know, we would have it in the afternoon, in the evenings, and the nights. And so we would bake there, we would prep the food, and then we would box up and have everything ready uh, to go uh, in the morning hot. To, for deliveries out in the, uh, to businesses. And so we did that for, we started in October, 2013. And we, we, I think we left there right around June of the following year. So we, we, we tested the concept for a while before we actually went out and found a retail space. Um, we also wanted to precede the market with, uh, you know, the awareness of our product and what we were trying to do. Obviously getting a restaurant off the ground is not an easy thing and it has a pretty low success rate. Um, what were some of those early difficulties you faced, especially moving into your own spot, um, and how did you overcome those challenges? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, we survived them. I don't know if we overcame them. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, something I think a lot of business owners are dealing with. You mentioned it's, you know, the mortality statistics I've seen on this business are that 85% of restaurants fail in the first 10 years. And um, you know, we were very well aware of that. So we, we found a great space for us over off of White Settlement that had a large kitchen that was a former restaurant, but it had a, it needed a lot of work. It needed a lot of remodel. So we did a lot of that ourselves. So we were slinging sledgehammers and knocking down walls and redoing things. And so um, the, one of the lessons learned there is um, when you're doing a lot of physical work at a space, in especially in Fort Worth, I can't say I've never done it outside of Fort Worth, but um, first of all, whatever the timeline you think is reasonable, double it. Whatever you think the capital you think is reasonable, triple it. Like there's 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 no such thing as being overcapitalized in the restaurant business, okay? And so if you're going to raise money, uh, go in with a healthy working capital uh, number to start with, and uh, you know you can get uh, some of the lessons learned. Where you know learn learn about uh, tenant improvement. So go in with like a real estate person. TI is really important. They'll they'll give that to you which is just money to put into the space to get the space up to code or whatever. And be aware, first of all, that Fort Worth does have some pretty stringent uh, building codes. They're, they adhere to the International Building Code Standards. Um, and, you know, they have a few people to handle what is right now, because of our booming economy, a lot of work. And they're, they're great people, and they work really, really hard. And um, they, just, they just have a lot on their plate, so it takes time to go through that process. So I would say is when you're going through the build-out process is just be prepared um, to uh, potentially have to wait a little bit longer than you what you want to. And then think about your opening date. 
in relation to any seasonality that relates to the type of restaurant you're going to open. And if you don't think there's seasonality in the restaurant business, you're absolutely mistaken. You see restaurant week out there anywhere, like restaurant week equals bad month for restaurant business in general. Uh, so the month of January, when people are coming off the holidays and are all on diets, or the month of August where everybody's on vacation, those two months in particular are just not the months that you want to uh, plan to open your restaurant in. So, uh, you know, be conscious of the timing that you're going to have and, um, uh, and, and be aware of that. And you can talk to other business owners. The other thing I will say is that in Fort Worth, and I, I know you'll get this from all the different people who come on. I know John Bonnell was on last week and he, John's a great friend of us and, and, and we've been fortunate enough to work with him a few times. And there is, it's not like a zero sum game where it's like, if, if we make a sale or we have a customer that, that someone like John or another restaurant in town loses out, everybody works together. The Fort Worth restaurant industry is very collaborative and um, almost to a person, just just a great group of people to work with. So if you're going to start a restaurant, this is a fantastic town to do it in. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. How have you been accepted into that Fort Worth community, um, not coming from the culinary side of things, but coming from the business side of things? Almost instantaneously. You know, people are just happy to see people trying new things. Um, there wasn't a lot of kolaches in town, you know, outside of donut shops and a few other places. Uh, so, you know, people know what they are. They're very well familiar with them. Anybody going south from here has stopped in West and you know, very familiar with the product, but nobody ever tried it. I looked it up, and at least in the zip codes I looked in, there was no business that had the word kolache in its title in the zip codes that were anywhere near where we are for like since 1988. Huh. And um, I, I looked down on the business registry when we were starting our business. And so I, I you know, I kind of my my dad's perspective, and you know, he's really conservative. He's from Exxon, the you know, corporate world. He says, "If this is such a good idea, how come someone hasn't done it before?" And I said, "Well, by that logic, nobody would ever start anything." You know, uh, so you have to have somewhat of a of a of a be self assured, and that you know that you're what you're doing is going to be something that people are going to want. Um, you know, I think you need to be, uh, like I said, very cautious on on how you project your sales and how you project uh, your costs. And you know, speaking to current restaurant owners is the easiest way I can um, tell you to avoid some of those pitfalls. Mentorship is very common. We're we're we are being mentored. Um, Billy Woodrich at uh, Billy's Oak Acres Barbecue is one of uh, is particular Wade's mentors, um, and he met him through the Fort Worth Wine and Food Festival, uh, Food and Wine Festival, excuse me. Um, and, you know, Billy's been doing this. He was a sous chef for Grady Spears. And, you know, Chuck Bush, who um, is one of, was just sold uh, Fuzzy's Tacos and took it from three stores to 85 nationally, has been a mentor to me here in town. And these people are, are, are just, you know, legends in, in the culinary industry, and they're willing to give their time to people who are starting out. And, um, and certainly we, of course, are willing to um, – to, to speak to, to business owners. We've had uh, other food companies incubate in our kitchen and launch out. Um, Alchemy Pops just opened its first store out on uh, South Main. And a uh, shout out to Carolyn Phillips, um, who uh, is, is, is building up that business and uh, you know, sees, it, sees, it, sees a need here in town, and, and we want to support that. So uh, to kind of bring it back to Pearl Snap Kalachis, and um, you, know, you talk about uh, I'm sorry, I forget the name, but the guy who owned Fuzzies. Uh, uh, Chuck Bush. Chuck Bush uh, owned three and then expanded to 85. Um, you guys start in 2013 in someone else's kitchen, and then rapidly by 2018 you have two locations open. Um, how proud are you of that success um, and how quickly you've had that success? 
Um, we're, we're very proud. You know, that was our vision since day one. Um, we liked, I grew up in Houston. Uh, don't hold that against me, but, um, <laughs> I grew up in Houston and, uh, in Houston, there's a place called the Kalachi factory, which is all over the place. I mean, 40 plus locations. Now they're going nationwide. That idea has not been able to take root in other cities across the United States. People have tried and we know all those, you know, success and failure stories out there. Um, but, you know, our vision was to create a North Texas version of that, but do it a little bit differently. You know, our recipes are locally sourced ingredients, and the recipe that we use for our dough is what we're most proud of. You know, it takes two days to make that dough, so it's not a it's not a factory environment per se. It's a it's a more of a home style traditional um, recipe, and so our our growth is very much been planned, um, and it's it's our it's our go to market model, and. Um, you know, we want to try and and deliver uh, a regional uh, flavor, you know, to this area that's beyond just what you might be able to get in other places. So, uh, so I read a story, and and to kind of bring it back to your restaurant, um, I read a story about how Wade once ran to someone's car um, to give them a gift card after their order had been messed up. Could you tell me about that and why customer ex- um, customer service like that is so important to you guys? Yeah, we're we're fanatical uh, about customer service. Um, we we believe in we don't. We're not, we're not someone who's just going to try and get you to come in once. We want you to have an amazing experience. We call it the ritual, right? So we want you to feel like, okay, you're on your way to work, or you're going to a soccer game with your kids or after the soccer game. And there's some part of your life where you're going to be near us and it's maybe you're doing it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And, you know, you always stop in and, and pearl some. I think a lot of people might be able to think of the place when they were kids that they their parents always took them, and that's what we wanted to be. So when we have, you know, our our goal is to exceed all expectations for what you have for us. And our places are not fancy, concrete floors and exposed rafters, and we don't put money into you know fancy or, or pretty. We put money into our food, but we also put a lot of skill and training into our people. And when people have bad experiences, because we're not perfect, I mean, people have bad experiences, um, you know. Uh, we want them to. We want them to know that it matters to us that, that we make it right, and um, you know, making it right for us means not just making them whole again and saying, "Okay, here's your refund." We want them to know that um, our goal is to serve them better. So, yeah, Wade is 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 fanatical about it. He's chased people down. He's almost gotten run over a couple of times in the parking yeah. lot, um, you know. But we we do that, and we want people to understand that we're in this for the long haul. We're a member of this community, and we're not going anywhere. It's, it's a day and age right now where people value time and they value expediency, um, but you guys don't have a drive-through. Is, is the reason for that, do you think, A, you can get stuff done as quick as a drive-through, and B, like you said, like you really want people coming into the store and having that experience? Um, it's a bit of both. Um, it's, first of all, it's, I should say it's tough to get a drive-through in a place that doesn't already have one. And that's universally true for everybody. So that's why Starbucks, you see like Starbucks out on uh, university here, uh, tearing down the old Studio 80 and building them one from scratch. That, uh, you know, they went, they did that because all the former Long John Silvers of the world that were, <laughs> they were abandoned and, you know, with drive-thrus, those don't exist anymore. So they have to build them new. Um, you know, we, we, we don't, we're not averse to a drive-thru. I mean, this drive-thru, you know, Starbucks uh, has said uh, that it triples revenues when they have a start, when they have a, uh, a drive-thru. But uh, we certainly would like to have some sort of rapid thing, uh, rapid uh, service model. But in lieu of that, we we do feel that the customer service aspect, the actual interaction, whether it be at a drive-through or coming in a store, is critical. That they people get a high quality of customer interpersonal interaction. Um, so, 
you know, we can get you in and out in under five minutes. Uh, we put that on signs that we stick out on the road. Uh, we're willing to stand by it. But, you know, we can, you know, our food is ready to go and it's hot and the coffee's ready and you can get in and out. And quick speed of service is one of the four um, things that we look at in terms of measurables for uh, our business and what we track on a daily basis on how quack, how quickly are people being served that want to be served quickly. If you want to talk, hey, we're here to talk. But uh, if you're if you're in a hurry, you need to get in and get out. We do that, and then we also look at cost. We look at um, uh, quality, and we look at uh, customer service um, interaction. So those are the four key metrics for us. And how would you say that you uh, measure? something um, like customer service interaction? How would you measure that? Yeah, uh, so we actually quantify it. Um, I, it's a qualitative kind of thing. It's kind of touchy-feely thing. But we use a system called Five Stars, which um, is a uh, you can buy that system, and it, it's a, it tracks customer loyalty. And a lot of, it's, a, it's a system available around the country. I think there's like 25 million people on it already. But the point is, is that when we, uh, we look at a ratio between our uh, point-of-sale system transactions and the number of people signing up, people either returning or signing up on the five-star system, and we have a ratio, and we, we, have, we can track that by day and by store, and by looking at that, we can basically tell the effectiveness of our front-of-the-house people. And so when we see a dip, and we've seen those in the past, we are in the position to coach the person who's been at the front of the store. In the past, we've had to make changes because of that. Um, but you know, we want uh, we want to, we want to make sure that we're staying on top of it. We don't want to hear. It's like, you know, if you're hearing about it in your customer service reviews of your business on Yelp or wherever, you know, that you're not getting great service. That's not where you want to find out about. It. It's like reading yesterday's weather report. You want to be ahead of it, you know. And so we 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 look at that on a daily basis, and we and we we constantly coach people because the other thing about it is that the restaurant industry, especially now with the economy being so good. There's a lot of turnover in the restaurant industry, and so people do come and go. And you know, when you bring people in, you have to have a system to train them to say, "Hey, this is how we do it here," and it may be different than at places that you worked at before. I think what's cool about you guys, and and to start to wrap this interview up, um, I think what's cool is that you guys do so much well beyond just kolaches. Um, and you've obviously you've made a name, Pearl Snap Kolaches, and um, you've made a name for yourself there. But I. Uh, I, I don't drink coffee, but uh, all my friends that I go to Pearl Snap with, they tell me, you know, you guys have an amazing cup of coffee. Tell me a little bit about Jen Orhood. Oh, yeah. Jen has uh, been with us since day one. She's at our first store. Um, she's still there right now. You can go see her. <laughs> but uh, she was a Starbucks veteran. You know, she's one of those people they sent to barista school, and she's been a manager, and she's been a manager at places in the stockyard. She's fantastic. Um, we're so lucky to have her. But what she does is, you know, she works a relationship with our coffee vendor, uh, Big Ben Coffee Roasters, out of Marfa, Texas. And um, so she makes sure that we have what we need from the coffee side, but also that everything is being served up to – you know, at least Starbucks level quality. And so we're actually seeding that level. We think our coffee is even better, but, um, you know, we, we use, we, we offer the same style of drinks. So she's created all the training for, for us in terms of, uh, knowing how to prepare the drinks correctly. She creates our seasonal flavors. And so, I mean, she's fantastic, but you know, uh, the relationship we have with uh, big Ben is, is very typical. The one we try and get with all of our vendors, you know, our dough, is uh, you know our, our primary product, which is you know something that we make in house that takes two days to make, but we use it with local ingredients whenever we can. We make it with local ingredients, 
the the cheese comes from Wisconsin, and that comes you know big wheels when we slice that in house. That comes from the Byrne Brothers here in Fort Worth via you know via the Byrne Brothers from Wisconsin. The the beef is locally sourced. You know it's it's all Angus. We the sausage comes from Syracuse Sausage in Ponder, Texas. We try and partner with local organizations whenever possible. We try and take best practices from national organizations whenever possible. Um, it's not it's a more of a compliment than it is a you know anything else. Is that we don't feel like we need to recreate the wheel. And we also know where the value in our product lies and what value we create for our customers. Would you say that um, it's a trial and error type thing to find the right vendors? Or would you say you have to do a real big vetting process to pick who you want to buy from? Uh, I, I, I think it's an 80-20 rule. I think 20% of the effort in vetting customer, uh, vendors or anything, any idea you're going to run, gonna run through it eliminates about 80% of the problems, but you can't get rid of the last 20 without actually putting through its paces. So we had a, another coffee supplier in our very early days that we switched out of. And, you know, but since then, you know, basically for the last three years, we've had the same one and we intend to have them for as long as they'll have us. Um, you know, once you have those great relationships, cherish them, exp- appreciate the fact that not everybody lives up to certain standards. And, you know, we, we have, we're, we're fortunate to have great relationships with all of our vendors and, um, you know, we, we partner on a seasonal basis with local companies here. Like, for example, last uh, June, we worked with uh, Firestone and Robertson, better known as TX Whiskey, and we used their uh, bourbon to uh, marinate um, onions and caramelize onions for our burger. And it was just a, you know, we, we'll partner with them. We did, we, you know, we just did one with Renfro Fruits last week. And so, I mean, uh, sorry, last month. And, and, and so we try and utilize the best of Fort Worth whenever we can. And because we see ourselves as fitting into the fabric, I and mean, we have a long way to be around as long as groups like Kincaids or Old South or you know institutions around here. But uh, that's our goal. That's what we want to be. Um, I'm glad you brought up the burger. So you guys won an award actually at the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival last year mm-hmm. um, for your burger and not for your kolaches. Uh, what what happened there? What um, you know? How did you guys amaze with this burger? Well, I mean, we I was. <clears throat> Uh, traveling for uh, my full-time job as a consultant. I was in, it was in Minneapolis, and I had a great burger up there. And I said, well, I love everything about it, but I hate the bun. Um, the, the meat was fantastic. So we didn't know anything about cooking burgers, so I, I called Wade and said, get on a plane, come to Minneapolis, and learn how to do this. Huh. And so he did. And and he learned from those chefs. And again, those those guys didn't know us, and they were willing to share what we knew about the how to, how to prepare the burger the way they did it. Now, we didn't copy their style, but we did learn a lot about the different in ways to make burgers. And you might say, well, that's easy. Just throw meat on grill. No, there's like 50 variations. Uh, see how you season and what you season with and how you cook it and what type of grill you use and all these other you know, factors make a difference in taste. And so we said, look, our, what we're proud of is our, is our dough. It takes two days to make. It's our, it's, our, it's our platform, if you will. If we can do something with it beyond just kolaches, let's see what that we can do with that. So uh, we, we developed the burger. It took us five or six months in, in uh, testing in the, in, the, um, in the kitchen. Tried every different type of meat you could think of. Ultimately, we went with an Angus blend and uh, in, a certain, in a flat top cooking grill style. Uh, and it's, it's worked. So we won the, the award last year. To, so it wasn't this past. Was, we, they just had it again last weekend. And, and we, I think we did very well, but we did not win. Uh, um, and uh, the previous year, though, when we did win, uh, we just served meat, cheese, and bun. Uh, and so we believe that if you can taste – those are the three primary taste textures that you want to get out of the burger. So we don't try and fancy it up. But at our store, 
you know, I don't like it when people go somewhere and people charge you for toppings. So we don't charge you for toppings. You want quadruple bacon, you get quadruple bacon. And people are like, how can you make money? And I said, you know what? We'll make money because you're going to come back, because you're going to you're going to tell people about it. And that's what we believe in. And if we're, if we're still around and we're not trying to make a quick buck and we're not trying to nickel and dime people, we think that's the best way to, to, to grow a, a reputation. And um, uh, so far, I mean, like, for example, last month, 25 people a day came into our store uh, uh, had a good enough experience that they joined our um, rewards program, and uh, you know we didn't we don't spend any money on advertising. So um, that to me is says a lot about uh, hopefully the quality we're we're trying to create for people. And so. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually uh, joined your rewards ah, program. Thank last you month. very yeah, much. I, thank uh, you. It was cool. Once I read about you guys, went to check out the store and awesome product. Uh, so to finish this up, what's next for you, Wade, and Pearl Snap Kalachis? Well, we uh, we definitely want to expand our business to business delivery system. We're working on that right now. Um, we also have a mobile burgering business that we're trying to get going. We bought several grills, and so we want to be able to come on site to, to various events, uh, parks, or businesses and cook burgers on site. That's a big part of our expansion. But eventually, there will be a third store, and hopefully, a fourth and a fifth. Um, but right now, just as much as we went through learning about opening our first store, we're, op- we're learning about what it takes to run two stores. And that's a big step. It's like if anyone out there has kids, you know, one kid changes your world, but there is like, oh, you've already done this once. It's just a second kid. No, it's like, it's like twice the work, right? So, um, I have two kids and I can testify to that. Um, and, uh, but anyway, yeah, that's what we're, we're shooting for is, is to learn from this experience. We're not going to go too fast. We're going to make sure that we know how to do it right and do it efficiently and we're learning through that process right now, and it's it's a daily process. And we have weekly meetings, and we sit down, and we, we bring all the team in. And uh, if you want a best practice from us, I'd say also is that when you find great people, trust them, trust them with the data, trust them with what's going on in the business. Don't BS them. Make them understand that you uh, are putting the future of the business as much in their hands as it is in your hands, in the sense that you know they're going to have a voice in making this business successful. And that's been really powerful for us because they have a lot of knowledge that you cannot unlock unless you engage them. A lot of knowledge about customer interaction, what people are saying. And just yesterday, I'll give you an example. Jenna Orhood, since you mentioned her, we were saying, you know, how effective has our social media been? And uh, someone said in the group said, oh, not, hardly anybody comes in and says they saw us on Facebook. And Jen goes and goes and comes back in. She's got a sheet. She says, I've been keeping a tally mark sheet for six weeks on where people, new people come in the store. Where do they come from? And it was, it, it, it completely reversed the, uh, the previous statement that had been made. Like she was able to show exactly where people had been. Yeah. And if you don't engage people like Jen and key personnel, you're going to miss out on that data. And as an owner who's, you know, I'm, I'm only there, you know, a few hours a week now because I trust my people so much. Um, you know, when I'm there to be able to get that information out of them is absolutely critical. That's awesome. And I think that's a great business model. And um, I'm hoping the people listening, if they want to start their own business, they'll, you know, take these cues from you guys. Um, Clearly been very successful with this business model. Uh, So thanks so much for coming on, Greg. I appreciate the time and I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks again to Greg Saltzman of Pearl Snap Kalachis for coming on to the podcast. I highly recommend that if you like kolaches or if you've never tried a kolache or even if you don't like kolaches, go check out their place. I think they'll change your mind for those of you that don't like kolaches. Uh, these are delicious. They're they're really, really good. And uh, like he had mentioned, I, I used to drive down to Check Stop um, about an hour away to go uh, – 
get kolaches like you know once every couple of months uh but now i don't have to do that anymore just go right there in fort worth definitely a great place to check out and um i want to thank him again for coming on and, and giving all of those great business tips as well for any of you that are looking um to start up your own business um, i think you could learn a lot from that um if you guys want to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook we're at the culinary school of fort worth and we are on instagram it's Culinary School FTW. That's Culinary School FTW. Go give us a follow. You can see all of our latest posts. We keep you up to date with what the students are doing um, around campus, as well as some links to different articles. Um, I have some videos going up soon, um, and we've had some videos in the past with students and alumni. Um, I'm actually going out to film one right now that'll be up uh, later this week. So uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on on our social media, so give us a follow. Also, if you subscribe to this podcast, you can subscribe on both SoundCloud if you just click uh, the subscribe button right below the play button there. Um, And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes once that link is up as well. Um, We'd really appreciate that. It helps us out and you will keep up to date with all of our latest podcast episodes. So thank you guys for listening and we will be back in a couple of weeks.